Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this Tuesday edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. It's Valentine's Day, February 14th. We wrapped up our Sunbelt in review series last week. And during that series, we reviewed the 2022 season for each of the league's 14 member schools with local media members who cover those teams on the ground on a daily basis. I'd highly recommend going back and listening to each of those episodes if you haven't already. On our latest episode, episode 66, we'll feature an extended sit-down interview with former App State and current Denver Broncos wide receiver Jalen Virgil, who despite not being drafted in 2021, made the 53-man roster out of training camp and went on to appear in nine games this past season. Caden, the listeners are going to get to hear a great off-the-field story about you and Jalen later on in this episode, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to give your favorite on-the-field memory with Jalen. So many with that guy, man. I mean, he was left and right game after game, taking back kick returns and doing so many special things on the field. And us playing both sides of the ball didn't really lend itself or different sides of the ball didn't really lend itself to have too many moments together on the field. But man, I'll never forget our Georgia Southern game at home in 2020. I had a couple tackles at interception in that game. Jalen had a kickoff return for a touchdown and a receiving touchdown in that game as well. I think both of us had our fingerprints on that win, getting a win over a rival, some Georgia boys playing in Statesboro and getting a win. So that's probably what stands out the most to me as far as on the field memories with Jalen. Yeah, I love that story. I mean, like you said, a couple of Georgia uh, Georgia boys beating an App State rival. That's uh, that's a great memory. Uh, a little bit more about Jalen during his App State career. He was a two-time All-Sunbelt selection. He appeared in 61 career games for the Mountaineers and was ultimately responsible for 15 career touchdowns. He had three kickoff return touchdowns, 11 receiving, and even a rushing touchdown, as well as nearly 1,500 receiving yards. In addition to his exploits as a wide receiver, Jalen was also one of the most feared kickoff returners in the Sunbelt Conference. Away from the football field, he was also a standout track runner, one one who placed second at the 2018 Sunbelt Outdoor Championships in the 100 meter with a time of 10.29. That's blistering fast. Because of his unique skill set, Jalen was recognized by nationally acclaimed media outlet, The Athletic, as a top five offensive weapon on their annual freaks list. Caden, I know this was one of your favorite guests, your former college roommate. Give us some highlights from this interview. Oh, man. Jalen's obviously someone I know well, and I'm very happy that people will now hopefully get to know him a little bit as well as I do. We definitely covered all our bases as far as the beginning as far as the beginning and the end of his really special football journey. And can't thank him enough for just giving us some good nuggets throughout his career that some things I didn't even know about. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with the one and only Jalen Virgil. Well, really excited to have former App State wide receiver and current Denver Broncos wide receiver Jalen Virgil on the podcast. Jalen, I feel like I've heard your name plenty of times from Caden. Excited to finally have you on the show. Appreciate you guys having me, man. I've definitely been following you guys, too. I'm really excited to be a part of this podcast today. Well, we appreciate the support. We're going to jump right in. If you've listened to some of our interviews, we tend to do that. Uh, We're going to go way back uh, with this first question. Some might know that you had a big track background growing up. It must be kind of where that blazing speed came from. Walk us through how you got introduced to track and then ultimately how that benefited now your football career. Yeah, so I started running track when I was, I would say, in seventh grade. Um, I ended up not making a summer AAU basketball team. So me and my dad, uh, we decided that it would probably be good for me to try something else. And we were driving down the street and we saw an AAU track sign. So we were like, you know, I'm kind of fast, so it might be it might be good for me to try out track and see if I can get even faster. 
And uh, ultimately, we did it at, the, at, the, at, at first so that I could um, get faster for football. And I ended up, you know, it, ended up, it actually ended up becoming my primary sport as I continued to do it. So, um, yeah, I, I ended up doing track from seventh grade all the way up until my junior year in college. And then whatever 2020 hit, I ended up just sticking to football with college. But it definitely helped me a lot on the field. And, you know, ultimately, I think it's one of the main reasons that I made it to where I am now. Great to have you on the show, Verge. You burst onto the scene. People might know not know that we went to high school together and played high school football, and you really burst onto the scene that senior season when you had that breakout year, and you were kind of late to the game as far as a recruiting standpoint goes. Tell us what that recruiting process looked like for you and why you ultimately ended up picking App State. Yeah, so I didn't have any offers, like you were saying. I didn't have any offers until after my senior year of football, so I was actually really close to just um, sticking to track. Like I said before, you know, it was my primary sport, and I was getting a lot of looks for it. So, uh, but the head coach, uh, Nick Bach, he actually contacted me and a couple of my close friends were talking to me and they were saying, I might as well finish out that last season. So I ended up, like, like you said, Kato, I ended up having a breakout year, my senior year and started racking up offers towards the last couple, uh, weeks of the season. And, um, they were all, you know, smaller schools, FCS schools, and then a couple of schools like App State, Georgia Southern, um, Georgia State, just schools like like that started to contact me and try to get me, recruit me to go to their schools. So, um, you know, Marcus Cox, the all-time leader rusher, he was pretty much the only the only thing outside of them beating Michigan that I knew about App State. So, and then also, of course, Cato, you were, you were already committed there as well. So they contacted me and uh, the, the whole staff was, seemed like they were really excited and aggressive about trying to get me to join their team. And they also offered offered for me to run track there as well. So everything just sounded too too good. You know, I talked to Marcus when I went up on my visit. And, you know, he was very persuasive and saying how much he grew as a man and as a football player. So it was really easy decision. Then, you know, once you uh, count in you going there as well, Cato, like having somebody that I would know whenever I was going into college, you know, it just seemed like the perfect recipe. Jalen, to follow up on that a little bit, how many conversations or what were the conversations like between you and Cato kind of leading into that decision to go to App State? Honestly, it was so far back. I really don't think we had that many conversations. It was one of those things that uh, we started having conversations afterwards. But um, for me, it was like uh, I remember they had came over to my house after they left. Or was it before they came to your house, Cato? It was I remember it was after they came to your house first because they came to my house and they wanted to do that home visit a little bit just to check out on me because I was already cr- recruited and committed. They weren't worried about me, but they were like, we finally we finally got Virgil. And I knew they were really excited about that. So I don't think I, I think Jalen's right. I didn't have to convince Jalen too, too much. And then when we went on our official visit together and met some of the guys, it felt like a no brainer at that point, I think. At that point, it was like, I didn't really have any other decision to make. And once the coaches came in and I saw how excited they were, whenever I told them I committed, I mean, Coach Satterfield and Coach Sloan and Ponce, they all like did a lap around my house when I told them that I was committed. So uh, whenever you have, you know, uh, college coaches showing that much excitement for you, that's a great sign because I think a lot of people don't realize with college recruiting, you want to go somewhere that wants you. You don't want to go to a place, you know, a bigger school that isn't as excited about having you there. Yeah, I think that's some great advice for maybe some young high school prospects that will listen to this episode. Uh, you certainly were known for the highlight plays during your App State career. You won plenty of bowl games and championships as well as built some special bonds with your teammates. When you look back at your long time in Boone, Caden wanted me to make sure to emphasize the, the word long there. Uh, what memories stand out most to you about your time in Boone? 
yeah, I would probably say, you know, outside of winning all those championships and stuff, I would say all the relationships I built there. You know, I, I have a core group of guys that I, that me and Kato still talk to every day. Um, and I think ultimately that's one of the biggest reasons why we were so successful on the field is because we were so tight-knit. And, you know, uh, not trying to brag, but our group was a pretty big part of the reason for their, our success on the team. So um, we stayed close and, you know, we traveled together and uh, we just went through a whole bunch together, like the good stuff, the bad. And we all came, we all saw each other start from the ground all the way up. So um, it was really good to have a group of guys like that and a group of guys who were chasing the same thing. So, And during this time of year for our podcast has been a theme. We're trying to kind of cover some of the intricacies of the process of preparing for the NFL. And I know a big part of that for you was the Hula Bowl in 2021, which for a lot of people who don't know, those all-star games are really where the draft process starts when you get to show some of the scouts in person what you're capable of. Just tell us what that week was like and how it helped you put you in the position you're in now. It was a long week, man. Uh, I remember this past week I was at the NFLPA game and I saw some of my former teammates. And I was just like, man, I wanted to contact y'all. But I just knew it was such a long week. So for me, it was it was a long week, man. Um, but it was full of great opportunities. You know, you had an opportunity to show what type of person you were in the meeting room, show what type of person you were on the field. And you also had an opportunity to talk to scouts. So uh, you would start the day by, of course, going and meeting with whatever team you were on, um, going over this, the condensed playbook that you had. Um, and that was also another thing, too. They wanted to see how fast you could adapt to that playbook and see if you could you know, kind of comprehend it and put it on the field. So that, um, you know, you had to be able to adjust to different quarterbacks from my situation. Um, so, you know, practice will be a whole bunch of competing, you know, um, one-on-ones, routes on air, uh, team versus team, all that stuff. And then after practice, you know, uh, you watch the film and then you would meet with scouts for the rest of the night. So they would tell you to go back home or go back to the hotel and rest, but it'd be kind of hard because, Every every time you go back up to your room, somebody else wants to meet with you, which is a good thing. So um, and then at that point, you have opportunity to present to them what type of guy you are, because a lot of people don't know. But that's a that's a huge thing in the in the draft process as well. If you're not a if you're not an early round guy, they want they want you to have really good character because um, ultimately it's not going to be an easy route for you if you're. Um, in that type of position. So you have to have good character and you have to be able to really um, put a, put a good foot forward. So like I said, man, it was a whole bunch of different opportunities. Like I said, with scouts practicing and just presenting yourself, but it was a awesome opportunity. And I think it really helped me in my draft process. Yeah. Thanks for giving that perspective. Cause I think again, we had Jim Nagy on from the senior bowl uh, a couple episodes ago and you know, he spent a lot of time just talking about that process. And I don't think fans maybe understand what goes into that process at these college all-star games. Uh, now, I've been told you trained with Caden leading up to the App State Pro Day. He said that those were some of the longest days and hardest workouts of his life. What did that preparation look like getting ready for your pro day? And what areas of your game did you really focus on improving leading up to that big day? Um, I would say it's just a whole lot of just making sure that you stay consistent. Um, it could kind of get, I, I wouldn't say boring, but you do the same things uh, week by week. So, and you're constantly trying to perfect your craft. But for me, you know, that's one thing I've always really enjoyed is the process of working now and just trying to get my body right. And um, I, that's why I knew I, I, it, it wouldn't be a problem for me to come in every day and work out. Uh, but yeah, we had some long grueling days, you know, we would clock in 
and it wouldn't be done until four hours later sometimes from doing positional work and then speed and agility and then weight room. And then sometimes you might need to go and work on a couple of different drills, like the shuttle and L drill. And uh, for me, I would, I would go and do some extra yoga afterwards. So it would be some very long, strenuous days. But um, definitely, I definitely just told myself that, I mean, you only get one shot at it. So and we had three months to prepare for it. So I did everything in my power to try to make myself the, the best version of myself in those three months. And I think it, I think it worked out pretty well for me. So. And I know one of the things I remember the most from those is those pool workouts we had that were very vicious and very resistant. And Jalen's not the strongest swimmer by any means, but I think after that he had, he might have a future in the swinging swimming game, but fast forward to actual pro day, Jalen, I know we all had a little bit of butterflies going into it. It was kind of a nervous anticipation and energy because we all knew what was on the line and really just a ton of excitement to kind of just explain to the people what took place on pro day, how it was from the beginning to the end and how you felt about your performance on that day. So I think a lot of people don't really understand how much adrenaline you have going into that pro day. Um, waking up that morning, I remember we were texting each other that morning, like, "Damn, we really about to go do this. Um, that adrenaline you have is something that you really can't emulate at any point throughout the process. And everybody that had finished their pro days already was telling us that that adrenaline is going to be pumping. And, um, that's something like, like I said, you can't really get ready for. But for me, man, I kind of feel like I kind of sucked myself out a little bit. I, I know I still performed. I, I, I still had a pretty good pro day, but I was, um, I was so like ready to go and amped up that I feel like I kind of like used some of my energy just being so excited for it. But uh, I remember we got in there, um, started off by getting our physicals, getting measurements, all went in the weight room. Um, uh, chilled out for a second once they processed that. And then we went in there, did the bench. Um, we all benched. And then after that, we did the vertical. I wish we did the vertical first because we were all walking around like the Michelin man after we benched and kind of stiff. Uh, but we did that. And then after we finished that, we walked up to the indoor. Um, I want to say we did the, the broad jump first, broad jump. And then after that, we went straight to the 40. They gave us like, not even five minutes to warm up for the 40. They must have been in a rush. So uh, a lot of guys weren't too happy about that because we had to get right to it. But you can't you can't ask for extra time or complain. You know, you want to be the best best guy, you know, be, present yourself in the best way. So did the 40. And by the time I finished the 40. What'd you run? I ran a 4.37. And that was not my goal. It was not my goal by any means. Kato, Kato will tell you, like, I was shooting for a 4-2. And, and when we were training, I, I ran the, I ran a 4-2. But that's what I'm saying, though. I think my adrenaline, like, I just had too much pumping. And I'm like, dang, I, I really – I'm trying to run as fast as I can, but I don't feel like I'm running as fast as I can. But luckily, I mean, I can't complain about a 4-3-7. Like, I, I would have loved to have my 4-2. But, it, you know, I still got the fast guy label. So that worked out for me. But after that, we just did the shuttle and the L drill. And after that, um, just routes on air. And then I caught a couple punts and kicks. Hey, what a process there. Uh, you know, the way Caden described that pro day, I think you're underselling yourself a little bit as he described it as a monster pro day. Uh, really up next for you was the NFL draft. You and your agent talked to a lot of teams that were interested. Uh, what were those three days like? And how did you ultimately find out that you were then going to be a Denver Bronco? Well, I would really say it was one day for me because I wasn't. I knew I wasn't going day one or day two. So I, I, I mean, I watched the draft, but I, I had no intentions of seeing my phone ring. Um, whenever day three came, though, uh, I got those 
I got similar butterflies that I had got on pro day because I'm like, okay, well, this is it. Because everybody knows that you you want to get your you want to hear your name called on on draft day, and as a late round guy, you really don't know if that's going to happen. But my agents were in my ear telling me that it's almost a better thing to um, go undrafted so you could choose your destiny. And I didn't really, you know, I was hearing it, but I really wasn't trying to hear it. I wasn't really trying to hear it because I was trying to get drafted. I felt like I was good enough to get drafted in the late round. So, but you know. The sixth round came, and I'm like, okay. A couple teams had told me that they were interested in getting me in the sixth or seventh, so I'm looking to see who they get. And I keep seeing the names go by, the names go by. And it's, it's midway through the seventh round. I'm like, dang, like, I guess it's not going to happen. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand. Um, this is why I didn't want to have a draft party, because your family is, like, so excited, too. They want to see you get drafted. But, like, I told my family before, I'm like, listen, Regardless of what happens today, you know, I should be in a position to have opportunity. That's all that matters. If I get drafted, that's awesome. But I just want to have opportunity. So and towards the end of the draft, teams will call you and tell you that they want to get you after the draft if you don't get drafted as as an undrafted free agent for a deal. So as it started to wind down, you know, I had different teams calling me like the Panthers, Jaguars, Bears, and then the Broncos, and they'll give you a deal. But the thing is, you have to you got to you got to jump on it fast because it's ultimately it's like musical chairs at that point. If, if you don't hop on a deal, then somebody else will hop on it because there's so many guys in the pool. So Denver gave me the best opportunity money wise. And then it was also the best situation for me as well. So kill two birds with one stone, man. And, you know, like I said, I wanted to be I wanted to get drafted, but it ended up working out really well for me and being a great situation. Definitely safe to say you ended up where you were supposed to be throughout that whole process. But let's transition to your first year in the NFL. I've only experienced fall camp, and I knew what that entailed with college. That was very difficult. And you have your first NFL training camp as a Bronco. What made that so different than the college-level training camp? I think just the competition level. The competition level, and then on top of that, I would say the playbook. Um, The playbooks are a little bit more complex in the NFL, especially coming from App State, where it's predominantly a predominantly a run offense so it was a lot of it was foreign language to me we didn't really have that many checks or we didn't have uh routes that would change depending on coverages and so many different run blocking rules so it was like for me it was kind of like dang I mean I had um we had OTAs in May so I was able to kind of get a small grasp of how how it was but whenever fall camp came you know everything was just faster and faster because at that point they're trying to find their guys OTAs is like having the training wheels on with the playbook fall camp is, is like if you don't know it they're gonna you know you're out so I think that was the biggest the two biggest things is you know knowing what you're doing because everybody else does and then the competition level you know I'm going to get I was going against one of the best corners in the game and practice with Pat Sertan so uh, just going against top tier guys and the game speed so yeah, it probably changed a little bit, uh, you know, going against Caden Smith at, at App State during practices to <laughs> then, you much. know, a, 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 a first <laughs> Thanks, <Jaylen. laughs> a first round draft pick. But, you know, Jalen, it's not easy for an undrafted guy to make that initial 53 man roster. You did that. And I'm sure it was a special moment for you and your family. Uh, you learned that you'd made the team. And then ultimately, shortly thereafter, your son is born. Uh, what were those couple of days like for you and your family? It was probably the best week of my life. I'm not really sure if I can top that week. Um, Just going into the week, I was like, man, this could either be the best week of my life or it could be like, I wouldn't say the worst week of my life, but a very disappointing week. 
So going into the week, I'm like, okay, well, I feel like I did everything I can do in the preseason and practice and everything. So I'm like, at this point, it's just in God's hands. And my son was due two weeks from the point. It was probably like, yeah, two weeks from the point of the week of uh, them making final cuts. So I'm like, okay. But I knew that after final cuts, we would have the weekend off. So I'm like, man, hopefully I can make the team so I can stay up here and go back home and you know, hopefully get my girlfriend Maddie induced and just have them on that weekend. So um, I'm seeing I'm, I'm on Twitter constantly checking to see if I'm, you know, who's getting who's getting released. And because that's the only way you can know, like or by word of mouth. I mean, a couple of my friends text me like, yo, they just cut me. But I'm, I'm on Twitter specifically looking for the receivers that they're releasing. So I'm seeing a couple guys go. And then I saw like the last two guys that I was ultimately going up against and I saw them get released. And they were like the last cuts, or I think they had to be done by like two o'clock uh, Mountain Time. And two o'clock came, my phone didn't ring, so I'm like, huh. I'm like, I guess I made the team, but like nobody's called me from the organization, nothing. So I called my agent. I'm like, yo, like, does it mean I made the team? He's like, I don't know, because we did, we really had no idea if I would or not. It was really a close battle between me and some of the other guys, but yeah, man, made the team. Was really excited about it. It's a dream come true. And uh, if, if anybody talked to me after OTAs, um, I really wasn't that confident that I was going to make the team because we had so many uh, skillful guys in my room. But I had a really good preseason, and unfortunately a couple guys went down, and I just took advantage of my opportunities. So I made the team, and at this point I think it's Wednesday in the week, and we had to be back on Sunday. Sunday. So I flew out Thursday to go see my girl and hopefully get her induced. And they were telling her that they were all booked up throughout the week. And uh, we were, I was like, dang, well, hopefully I'll just come back and something can just happen somehow. So we're at her place, her aunt's place, watching App State and UNC play. And it's like the fourth quarter, about to go into overtime. I'm like, ooh, like, this is a great game. So we're watching it. I'm getting hyped because Chase is keeping us in the game. Like the receivers are going crazy. So and then all of a sudden, like right before the fourth quarter is over, she gets a call from her health a healthcare center they're like we just had a spot open up for you to get induced if you want to come in and i'm like oh man so i'm like well we have to go but i'm like we got to finish this game first we <laughs> gotta go into overtime. <laughs> so we're in the overtime we finished the game and then we went straight to the hospital she packed her bag and you know she didn't she wasn't dilated at all and you know you have to get to a certain uh i think it's centimeters a certain amount of centimeters for for you to start going to labor and she was completely closed so they had to do a whole bunch of operations, and my flight was scheduled for Sunday night. And it's, this is Saturday afternoon. So I'm like, man, I, this is not looking good. So I called some people with the Broncos. I'm like, would it be the worst thing in the world if I come, uh, if I miss Monday? And, and they're like, oh, I don't know. It's a new head coach. Uh, you know, but, you know, we can ask them. I'm like, uh, I don't even want to risk it. So if I need to just come back, I will. But anyways, uh, I, I ended up changing my flight to – the next morning because I would gain time on the way back to Denver and get there on time for my workout. So anyways, we ended up just mad. She ended up magically opening up and uh, she went to labor and we ended up having my son Kylan at like two fifty in the morning and my flight was at eight o'clock. So I was able to see him get born and then I had to go straight back to Denver, but it was definitely worth it. 
definitely a long journey and definitely one that paid off. Not to get too personal, Jalen, but I still remember when you gave me the news about you being a father in February when we were training. Yeah. And looking back at that time, it all kind of like clicked to me because I've been I'd worked out for you with you plenty of times. But the way you were working out in preparation for pro day for the NFL, you were truly in a different gear. How much of a motivating factor was that for you during that process and now still as you started your NFL career? Yeah, I think when, whenever you realize that you're about to have your seed, like your seed is about to be a part of this planet, like it just kind of changes your whole mentality and mindset. So for me, um, whenever I figured out that I was about to have a, about to have a baby boy, you know, just kind of switched my mindset. And like you said, Kato, like you already know I like to work hard, but it really just gave me an extra gear that I didn't know I had. So uh, I, it just kind of helped me throughout the process just work really hard. And then whenever I actually saw him be born, and I had to leave, like, I'm never going to forget that moment. Like, it just enlightened me and just brought an, a whole nother perspective into my life that I could uh, use as motivation. So, Awesome stuff, man. Really appreciate you sharing that. And you were on the Broncos active roster. You didn't dress out, though, until wake, week eight. And I remember you were telling me how you learned some stuff through that experience. Just tell us what that experience was like, not having to dress, but kind of seeing how things go in that process and waiting for your time to come. So, honestly, it was really the most ideal situation for me because – um, I didn't think that I was quite ready just to be on the field like that um, with these high stakes. But um, it was kind of like a short redshirt year for me, those first eight weeks. I was able to – I was on scout team, but I was still, like, do some reps with the offense because I was on the active roster. But I just took that time to try to get better, go against the number one D. And our defense was really good. We ended up, I think, being top five defense in the league. So it was good to go against them. And then I just like to watch the guys prepare throughout the week because um, I still prepare like I was going to play because if somebody got hurt, somebody got sick the day before the game, I was the next guy up. So I still prepared the same way. And it helped me learn the offense and defenses more. And my favorite thing was just watching guys like uh, Judy and Cortland Sutton and just KJ Hamler, Kendall Hinton, all those guys just prepare for the game and just see it translate on, on the field on Sundays. Yeah, you certainly had a lot of good guys to learn from uh, leading up to, you know, that big performance in week 10 that we'll get to in a moment. But another guy that uh, Caden has told me was really good to you and your family throughout this whole process was Russell Wilson. Uh, what makes him such a great teammate and what have you been able to learn from his preparation process? And then kind of a follow up to that. Does he have you doing jumping jacks in the aisles yet? <laughs> uh, no, nah, I haven't done any jumping jacks with him yet, but if he asked me to, I would. Um, now, nah, Russell's a great guy, man. He obviously for me, like any other person would be, I was a little starstruck when I first saw him in person, man. I was, I was like, wow, that's really Russell Wilson. And, um, but the thing I didn't know about Russell yet, I've seen it in the media, but he's, he's such a great guy and he's really accepting. As long as you work hard and just put your head down and do what you need to do, he's going to give you the respect as long as you're respectful to him. So that's one thing that I always told myself I was going to do when I got in the building, which is just go to work and just, you know, respect everybody, be a great guy. So um, we obviously we went through a couple, we went through some dark spots, uh, having so many close games and losses. Um, but just seeing the way that Russell came in on a weekly basis, nothing changed throughout the whole season. You know, most guys, you would see them start to like uh, show less enthusiasm or not talk to the guys like they did at the beginning of the season. But Russell stayed consistent throughout the whole season. Uh, he had some of us coming in early throughout the season, trying to make sure that we were good with the plays on the same page as him, um, 
man, he just did everything he could to take care of us. And whenever, whenever you did good, he will let you know. And whenever you need to work on something, he will work on it with you. So just ultimately the, the best type of quarterback you can have and really the best type of quarterback you can have as a rookie coming in too, because he's so, he's so willing to teach he's so willing to teach you and be on the same page as you. I was definitely glad when I came up for a game, I was able to meet Russ and he asked a question that everyone asked us at App State, are we brothers? Are we twins? We got that from Russ. So even he's not safe from asking us those questions, but we have to, we have, we have to talk about that first NFL touchdown, Verge. I remember me and Noah were actually recording a podcast. My phone was blowing up, going crazy in that week 10 versus the Titans. But your first catch ends up going 66 yards to the house for a touchdown. What's going through your mind? Talk, walk us through that play when you cross the goal line at Nissan Stadium and punching that first catch for a touchdown. First of all, that wasn't even the play that was initially called. Russell checked to that because he saw a certain coverage. And actually, they checked back into a, a good coverage for four verticals. But the corner to my side actually had a misassignment. I popped wide open. So, um, you know, before the play was called, you know, I already knew what I was going to do. I had a plan for the route I was going to have. And then I saw him give a check. And the first check that he made, we had us three. It was me, Cortland, and Kendall. We had never seen that signal before. So we were like, what? What? And then I think Russell like saw us like panicking. And then he checked to a signal that we knew, which was all vertical. So we were like, oh, okay. So he checked it real fast and just snapped it because the play clock was going down. So I'm like, oh, okay, let me just run, try to get to the to the red line. So I'm running and I see the corner like cheating, like not going out as far as he should be to 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 cover me. And I'm like, okay, well, he just messed up, but I mean, I guess I'm open. I don't, I don't. There's no way that Russell's looking at me right now. So as soon as I turn around, the ball is just floating in the air, coming right towards me. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really about to happen. Then if I catch the ball, I know I'm about to score. So I'm like, okay, let me just make sure I catch this ball because if I don't catch this ball, I'm out the game. So I'm like, let me catch this ball. So I did. I was. I made sure I secured the catch and. Once I turned around and saw it was open space, I really couldn't even believe it. So I just punched the gas as hard as I could. Um, and then when I scored, I, I, I mean, I could barely process it. If you look at the touchdown, I mean, I didn't have – like I told myself I would do a celebration when I scored, but like I was like in, in such shock that I couldn't even like make myself do anything except for just do what I did. So it was crazy. It was definitely a moment that I'll never forget. I still think back at it sometimes. I can't believe it, but uh, – yeah, man, just hoping I can build off of it for next year. Well, I really appreciate the extended version of that because that entire play <laughs> happened in about six seconds. So thanks yeah, for taking us inside uh, your yeah. head and everything that was going on. Uh, you ended up playing nine games this past season. You spent some time on special teams. Uh, you're in the midst of your offseason now. What has this offseason looked like and what parts of your game have you really focused on improving the most? It's been good so far. Um, it was a really long year last year, so I actually took some weeks off and I just started back really going hard uh, this week because we started, I mean, over a year ago, I started training in December for my bowl game and then just rolled all the way through the whole year. So, yeah, I just started training. I'm training the same place that me and Cato trained at last year with Chip Smith in, uh, in Georgia. So uh, I'm just really trying to make sure I get back into the shape I want to get into first, and I'm really going to continue to work on my craft as a wide receiver and just do everything I can to – uh, go in and impress that new coaching staff as a as a receiver. Yeah, and you talked about that new coaching staff, and that was our next question. Broncos were in the news recently hiring Sean Payton to be the team's new head coach. What are your initial reactions with the hire? I'm sure there's some excitement 
another level of that now having a coach that's now not not only a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl but a coach who's won a Super Bowl what's your excitement what you're looking forward to with Sean Payton at the helm I'm really excited for it man uh it seems like everybody else is too I'm not really too familiar with how these coaching changes go in the NFL and like how everybody takes it but I think that he's a he's a great guy for the job. I can already see him and Russell um, communicating so well, and that's one of the, one of the most important things: the quarterback, head coach relationship. Um, I think that he's the he's a perfect guy for us. I'm I'm not really too familiar with Sean Payton, except for the fact that I, I'm, I'm an I, I was an Atlanta Falcons fan when I was growing up, so I knew about him because of the Falcons Saints rivalry. But I never really knew like his coaching style. And from what I've heard, I've heard that he's a little bit more like stern and um, structured. And that's kind of like a 180 from what we had last year. You know, we were more of a modern, like uh, I wouldn't say relaxed, but more calculated throughout our practices and our uh, throughout our year. So I think it's going to be a good switch up for us and it's going it, to it should pay off, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I know us and NFL fans are looking forward to that as well. Uh, Jalen, before we let you go, I've got to ask you for your best Caden Smith story from college. Uh, you guys were roommates at App State. Don't go too crazy on me, but what was one of your best memories in college with Cato? Man, there's really just so many different memories to uh, to go over. Um, I, I can see in Jalen's face he's thinking of all the bad ones off, yeah, off the top of his to, head. That, that's that's why I added that line about not going too crazy. I'm trying. To no, that's all he's thinking of. <laughs> I'll tell. I'll tell one like it's me compared to some of the other ones that we have. But um, I remember one time, like for for me and Cato, some of our best friends are, are white. So like we would do certain things that we wouldn't do, like with them for like activities over the weekend. So one time we had went down to to Nashville, and our buddy Zach Jordan and and Jacob. They took us into the woods to go shoot guns and um, just out in the open down there. So we had to, like, go through this creek. And the it was, like, the water was, like, four feet tall. So they were recording us, and we just looked, like, so out of our element just trying to fit in with them. So we're walking through the water, and uh, we get to the spot. And this is my first time shooting a gun, to be honest. So we're trying to hit this bottle. It was, like, 50 feet away. And I just remember we were all there. Everybody was shooting it good, and it was my turn to go. And I was like, oh, I'm about to hit this bottle easy. All I got to do is point it directly at the bottle. I'm going to hit it. So I started I started unloading the clip. Pow, 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 pow. So Zach's, Zach's cousin was the one who took us out there. And I thought he was like – um, I thought he was really like telling me I was doing a good job. He was like, damn, damn. I thought he was saying that, but he was really saying down, down because I was shooting like way over the way over the bottle. And it was like there's a highway over there. So he was like down, down. But I thought he was saying down. But I'm like, oh, I must really be like killing it. So I know that's that's not really like the best story you were looking for. We have a lot more, but that's one of the first things that came to my head. man. that was a really funny weekend and we had a really good time. That was, def- that was definitely a good one, Jalen. I hadn't heard that one in a while, and I'm glad Noah got to hear it. And Noah, Noah can maybe hear some of the other ones we have off off of the show, but I got some way better ones for you, <laughs> Jalen. Friend, roommate, teammate, can't thank you enough having you on the podcast and join us. We wish you the best of luck. Obviously, this off season, and now you're a friend of the podcast too. So we'd love to have you back sometime as well. Love to be Matt, man. Appreciate you guys for having me.
How much fun was that, Caden? First NFL player on the podcast, and it happens to be a good friend of yours. I know you said before the interview there was a lot that uh, you learned maybe that you didn't know about, Jalen. What were some of the highlights for you in that interview? Definitely some of the highlights. He definitely rejogged my memory as far as some stories and memories we had back at App State for sure. But just hearing some of the details of his NFL journey, I know I've talked to him about some special moments he had throughout his career, whether it was that touchdown pass or his first game in Seattle when he was hearing the crowd going crazy. But just really kind of the culmination of his entire journey. Once you're in the present and you're in the moment in college with him, in high school with him, or now in his post NFL type area of his career kind of get lost in the moment but not hearing it all culminate and come together i feel like it was almost a little bit of a, a celebration of the career he's had and hopefully we have some other sunbelt guests on the podcast that can share some of their career journeys as well because i know a lot of those guys that have made it to that level from the conference also have just unique tidbits and different unique aspects of their football journey that makes it so special yeah, he definitely provided some great perspective on things like, you know, pro days and getting ready for the NFL draft, what that process looked like, because there's a lot of these Sunbelt guys that are going to end up at the combine in a couple of months and they're not ultimately going to get drafted. But it was neat to kind of see his story and how he was able to work hard enough. I know you guys trained together in the lead up to some of those opportunities, uh, but then to get that big opportunity. I also personally thought it was interesting just to hear how much of an impact finding out that he was going to be a father, how much that allowed him to kind of, you know, kick it into another gear as he was training for this process. Yeah, I definitely talked about it then, but I can keep speaking on that some more. Just Jalen's always been a workaholic. You talked about him being on the freaks list in our app state workouts. He would always dominate. But seeing him in his pro day training, there was just a different level of precision and detail that was going into it. And you talk about it. Some of these Sunbelt athletes that are coming out of the conference, if you're not having all the physical tools, all the hype, if you're not projected to be an early round guy, you really have to work on those parts of your game that some scouts might be critical of. And Jalen really leaned into that as far as his route running. We knew he was going to have the speed. No one was worried about Jalen's 40-yard dash. But as far as catching the ball, moving in and out of his routes, he was really detailed and very excellent as far as the precision it took to work on not only leaning into the skills you already have, but working on some of those skills you might not. So definitely made sense when it came full circle and definitely had a wild year as far as becoming a father, becoming a Bronco and having that all come together and being able to celebrate it now in the offseason. Hey, it was a lot of fun to hear about it and certainly look forward to having more guys like Jalen on the podcast in the future. Well, that will do it for this loaded episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Denver Broncos wide receiver Jalen Virgil for joining us for today's conversation. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frary and Smith podcast on Thursday. We're going to discuss how the new look offenses at App State, Coastal Carolina, Old Dominion, and Texas State will fare in 2023. Plus, we'll share insights into the five new defensive coordinator hires around the Sunbelt Conference. That'll do it for us here at the Frary and Smith podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, please like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and the show out. We'll be here all offseason keeping you up to date on all the latest happenings from around the Sunbelt Conference. So for Caden Smith, Richmond, and Brett, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>